Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls. We've got a midweek show uh, for you right now, even though there's not much of consequence going on with the Red Sox and the Yankees uh, here on January 10th. We're, we're all preparing in our the different parts of the country we live in for the Arctic blast to, de- to descend on us in the next few days. Um, so I am Luke. Uh, I'm here with uh, the full midweek uh, team today. Both Michael and Derek are here. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, as much baseball stuff as is actually going on. We'll cover the offseason doings oh, and more so the non-doings of the Red Sox and the Yankees and what we can expect. Uh, and we'll have uh, Derek's first interruption therapy session we are gonna try to cure him of what ails him um but first uh let's uh see what's going on with these two guys uh derek you are at your dad's house uh tonight if i'm not mistaken correct or was that last week that's next week oh that's next week all right so you're still home in florida yeah i'm still in florida i fly up the 16th um so next week I will uh, be at my dad's house when we were bored. All right. You looking forward to getting back to school? Uh, yeah, honestly. Yes. Uh, there's nothing to do here. No offense to where I am in Florida, but there's literally nothing. Like unless I'm going to get groceries, I don't have anything to do. So yeah, it'll be nice to get back to school, have stuff to do. Um, I have train access into Boston so I could just, go to Boston whenever I want, whenever I feel like it. Um, so I'll have stuff to do at least when I'm on the weekends or stuff. I won't be bored. I'll, I'll soon enough have Red Sox games to go to. So uh, everything's going to be a lot better in a couple weeks. And even though it's January 10th, uh, Tropicana Field, which is the closest baseball stadium to Derek, is just as packed right now at this moment as it is in April, May, June, July, August, and September on most nights. Uh, Mike, uh, what's going on with you? How are you doing? Uh, doing well, man. I mean, it's uh, been a boring off season, like you kind of touched on, but um, kind of getting in the swing of basketball, uh, getting ready for that March Madness. Um NBA kind of big NBA guy. The Knicks look good. So, uh, all is well. The Knicks, uh, well, uh, funny speaking of the Knicks, uh, Derek's wearing a shirt that says mellow and has some, uh, pimped out looking guy on the, on the shirt. Um, uh, Mike thought it was a Carmelo Anthony shirt, uh, ex Nick great. Um, but, uh, Derek informed him it is Carmelo Hayes. You said, who is a WWE superstar, as they call them? Um, are you into Are you into the the wrestling at all, Mike? Um, not not as much. I mean, like, I claim to be a John Cena fan, and when The Rock came back and they were doing their whole skit, like a couple, you know, a couple years ago, I, I got back into it. But I don't. I mean, I'm not like a true fan or anything. I, I watch it if there's nothing else on, kind of thing. Well, The Rock is I was back a true again. Fan. So. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Derek. What? The Rock is back again, so it might be a decent time to start looking again. I was just gonna say, I saw that. I I've been I was a true fan for most of my life. I'm I'm almost 42. I would say at least 26 or 27 of those years, I was a big uh, WWE fan at different points. Um, but yeah, I did see that The Rock is back, and he's even older than I am. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's going to be doing i assume he's going to be wrestling his his uh cousin there 
at WrestleMania. So may not be the best main event of all time, but it'll probably be better than any main event Brock Lesnar's been in since uh, he wrestled Kurt Angle in WrestleMania 19. Because I I had the WWE Network for a little while. Uh, I would get it. I got it for WrestleMania one year. And I was like, what is this guy doing? It was just he would hit his finish and the other guy would hit his finish. And it was like, it, it was four minutes long. And I was like, this is the rest, like, this is what they've been building all year for? And so, I don't know. I think the WWE Wrestling has passed me by, as it's supposed to. Once you get into your 40s, you're supposed to see everything that's big in pop culture and say how much it better how much better it was when you were a kid. Um, so I'm happy to be uh, a crotchety old man. Um, so uh, before we get into the baseball, um, we are going to touch on uh, Derek's rehabilitation. So um, Derek, our good friend, the good a good friend to all of us in Bleacher Balls, he's been having quite a bit of trouble refraining from interrupting colleagues when they even remotely disagree with something he says. And Mike, I have to say I have a bit of a bone to pick with you because last week you left me alone with this animal and that happened continually over and over again. It was kind of something like this. Like, Derek could say anything. Like, you know, for example, oh, I, I like dogs. Uh, I would never have any other animal as a pet but a dog. And then I might say something like, well, you know, there are some cats out there that, and then Derek would immediately cut me off and say, no, 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 I'm not saying that all cats are evil and they should be put to death. I'm just saying, and then he would list the 17 things that he likes about dogs better, more than cats. So as Derek's friends, we are here to help him kick the habit, that habit of interrupting when people disagree with you. Um, so uh, I'm here to announce that starting today, Derek is on probation. Uh, now, during this probationary period, Derek is forbidden from interrupting anybody. Now, look, we all do it. I've done it a whole bunch. John and Joey thrive on interrupting people. Uh, so we have all done it. But, you know, Derek's at the point where it's gotten a little too far. So he is forbidden to interrupt at all. And... So, uh, you know, my first idea was shock therapy, but Bleacher Brawl's human resources explained that some people would find that quote unquote inhumane. So I opted for the next best choice, which is uh, psychological torture um, instead of physical torture. So during this probationary period, um, if Derek does interrupt, I will mark, I will make a check mark in my trusty little notebook every time Derek interrupts. Um, from now, this is an indeterminate amount of time that he's on probation. Every show during the probationary period, I will check it off. I will make a check mark every time he interrupts. And at the end of the show, at the end of each show, um, we will have the last segment of the show will be Derek's error report, which I am calling the Deror report. So, uh, the Deror report will consist of for every interruption that Derek makes during the course of the show, I will read a statement, a brief statement, a sentence, maybe two sentences that Derek vehemently disagrees with, that he is absolutely believes the exact opposite of. And Derek will have to sit there in silence and say nothing while I say it. So I will give these, some of these statements will be facts, some will be opinions, but his punishment is I will state them as if they are all facts, even if I don't believe them. I will state them as facts, and Derek will have to sit there 
He will not be given the option to interject, to object, or uh, to say anything during that segment while I'm during the Dara report. Uh, so this is his... I, see, he's already starting to learn. He just raised his hand. So uh, to sum up, um, this is uh, this will happen every week until we all, as a group, the Bleacher Brawls family, believe that he really has the monkey off his back. Um, so um, again, to sum up, Derek, if you cannot be civilized and hold your tongue while your colleagues are speaking, then you will be forced to hold your tongue as your world comes crashing down around you at the end of the show. So, um, Derek, the floor is yours. Do you have anything to say about this? So I can just pretend to disagree with anything Luke disagrees with, so he has to say what he disagrees with as it's fact? That sounds like a pretty good deal. Uh, well, I you don't know what I'm going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say during the Dara report. And I, well, so it will be. There, a, I know some things that, that I disagree with that I know you disagree with. Okay. But I don't think you're understanding it. I'm oh, going know, to be saying. Oh, no, I get it. I'm going to be saying the things. And I have a whole I'm bunch aware. safe. I'm not going to tell you how many because I'm not going to tell you how many. I'm not going to make. All right. If he has 30 of these, I'm just going to interrupt 35 times until he's out. But I have enough to last a while and they'll, they'll keep coming. And I invite everybody in the Bleacher Brawls crew and anybody listening to this, feel free to tweet at Bleacher Brawl if you have any uh, suggestions uh, for for statements I can give during the Derra report. But, you know, maybe Derek will just quit cold turkey and uh, he won't give us anything, any information. I, I mean, any excuse uh, <clears throat> uh, to make him, to, to psychologically torture him. So... You guys ever see uh, that show Around the Horn? <clears throat> oh, yeah. You need one of those devices. Him. You need one of those devices where he just starts yapping, you just mute him, and his picture just freezes we, right there. Ten seconds. We have a mute button. I, I have no. a mute button. The thing is, Derek has one, too. Ah, okay. Because <laughs> you have to have admin privileges, and so we both have uh, admin privileges here. Um, so I can mute him, but he can just unmute himself. So it is, it is a bit of an honor system. Um, I'm hoping he adheres if, uh, to the punishment. If you want to, Derek, we could set like weekly phone calls up with my girlfriend because she never loses an argument. So you could get some practice there. Just, you know, learning how to kind of like just take it, take it, take it. And then eventually you just forget what you're talking about and you just got nothing to say. So it could be a little practice for you. You see, you never lose an argument unless you admit to it. You know, you can ask my wife. This is the this is the policy I adhere to in our house at all times. It doesn't matter how wrong I might be. I, I if I just keep arguing, you you're, you haven't lost an argument until you've conceded until you concede that you've lost the argument. Yep. Um, so I guess let's get started with the baseball. Now that we're 11 and a half minutes into the show, um, we'll start by talking Yankees uh, tonight because. Uh, they are um, so far. It's been they haven't done it. The Red Sox have made a couple moves since the Yankees made really their only move of the se- of the offseason so far. Yet the Yan- the the one move the Yankees have made made uh, ten times the splash than everything the Red Sox have done combined so far this offseason. So, uh, but it it bears it bears asking the question. The Yankees haven't. I think they've signed one free agent, just some 
pitcher to a minor league contract or whatever. So begs the question, why haven't the Yankees signed any free agents, any free agents of note at all as of this point? What do you think, Mike? Um, I, 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 okay. So devil's advocate, right? I, I, I want to say that Brian Cashman is being responsible and not going to sign uh, Carlos uh, Radon to a major contract after coming off an injury. And he's kind of, you know, making his, uh, you know, maybe doing his due diligence and maybe doing a little bit more, but I don't know. In the same breath, I came on here the last time talking about, uh, you know, right after they signed Juan Soto, Aaron judge and, uh, they all came out saying that, you know, we're not done yet. And, uh, you know, we get still got more, we still, you know, still got more to do. And then, so I came on here like, oh, you know, the evil empire's back and, you know, they, that, that's just the start of it. And it's been cricket since. So it's kind of annoying. I mean, I definitely wanted something bigger. I, I still have faith, you know, there's still a few pitchers. I wouldn't mind seeing them come, but, um, I do have some things to air out between, you know, at least one of them, uh, mainly Jordan Montgomery for his, you know, if that's true, he doesn't want to come back to New York. Um, but I don't know. I mean, in the same breath, it's like, you know, they needed pitching and they needed outfields. So they got, they got the outfield, they got, um, Soto and they got Verdugo. So, I mean, the outfield's kind of taken care of. They got Grisham as well in that Soto trade to take care of center field if they ever need someone. So pitching is really all the only thing I want to see them go after. There's still some pitching left. Um, you know, I want to see Snell and Montgomery possibly, but, um, Snell only works if you got a good bullpen too. So, um, cause he's only going six, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm 50, 50. I want to think they're being responsible and not jumping the gun on people, but in the same breath, it's like, well, maybe just everyone's going to sign to the Dodgers and that'll be it. It's kind of the way I, I'm hoping I'm trying to be optimistic about the Red Sox lack of acquiring pitching. I mean, they got Giolito, but I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, hopefully they just want to be responsible. But um, does this limited spending to this point in this offseason, does that make you more or less confident that uh, they'll re-sign Juan Soto, they'll extend Juan Soto before he hits free agency? Um, I mean, it's got to be more confident just because, you know, if they signed another major deal or something like that, you know, unless you're going to start paying people in 20 years from now, like the Dodgers are, I, I don't think it's going to be possible. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's definitely, I mean, hopefully, like I said, hopefully showing a little responsibility here, saving some money for next year. Um, in the same breath, like, I don't know if you necessarily guarantee, you know, Juan Soto has done his part to basically say like, I'm going to be a free agent regardless. So teams are going to have the opportunity to outbid the Yankees, whether they save this year or not. So, um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, hopefully it's a little responsibility, but I still think you need a few more, at least one or two pitchers, starting pitchers to, to really make, you know, make some noise this year. And that's like the, it's what it kind of makes me scratch my head about it. That there ain't no way Juan Soto is not going to free agency. So it just seems funny that after being so responsible for so many years, Cashman just decides, okay, I'll give up a, a good-sized trade package to get one year of Juan Soto, even though he's – I mean, you'd have to after him, offer him Otani money for him to not go to free agency. So that – does that does that give you any pause at all? Like, this could end up being – like, this time next year, we could look at end up looking at this like that, a horrible, a horrible trade. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a big fear. Um, I will say I um, I like the way this team was built as far as like personalities. Like, I don't think there's really anyone on this team that thinks they're bigger than the team. And it starts with Aaron judge. I mean, he's the big, big money man. And he kind of like got that Jeter esque to him. And like, you know, as far as like, he's all about team first. If, if you, if the Yankees are winning, he'll go and four. He don't care as long as the Yankees win. So, uh, I don't know. I, I want to think that between the culture they build and hopefully they're winning a lot of games, maybe you can get something done in the middle of the season. You know, maybe just whether it's under the table or, you know, this, this and that, the other. I mean, if he's having fun and they're winning a lot of games, I promise you, Juan Soto, you're not going to have your name shared in the newspapers more than you are this year. So whether you're winning or whether you're losing, you're, you're going to be talked about a lot more than you think you are. And that leads to a lot of more money. So time will tell. It's the Yamamoto effect. Like, if he's like, I want that big New Yorker stage. Like, well, supposedly Yamamoto wanted the big stage. And I guess he just wanted to play with the best Japanese, the best baseball player ever in Hollywood. Um, Derek, uh, what are your thoughts on the Yankees not signing any free agents uh, to this point? Do you see a lot of similarities in the way Cashman's operating? Uh, uh, compared to the way Craig Breslow is operating? No, because I feel like the Yankees are just waiting to make their move. Like, it, it's and also, too, like, they do know they have to sign Soto. Like, you don't trade all that much for a guy uh, and then just willingly let him leave. They're going to make a run at Soto ne- uh, sometime in the next offseason or at least, well, sometime in this next year. Um, whether they try and do it in season or they just respect his wishes and wait until the offseason. They're going to try and keep Soto long-term, so that kind of puts them in the spot of they, they kind of can't spend lock-up. They can't lock up too much money long-term because they already have a ton of money locked up long-term. You have Judge locked up long-term. You have Garrett Cole with that weird opt-out where he he opts out. The Yankees can add an extra year to his contract, so that's going to lock up an extra year of long-term money on top of what Cole's already got. You have Stanton locked up long-term. There's a lot of long-term money kind of already locked up in some – Carlos Rodon is another one, right? So I don't see the Yankees really making, like, the big, massive, massive splash of free agency. But, like, there's been rumors about, like, a Marcus Stroman or people like that. So I don't really know where they're going to make their moves. But I think they will make moves. I think they're just waiting for the right one. Um, and because very much, especially after trading away, like Michael King, who was potentially going to start this year for the Yankees, they could very well use another starter right now. You have Cole Rodon, uh, and then it's Clark Schmidt, Nestor Cortez, and then no other real proven option, uh, for the most part. So they definitely could use another starter. I think they will get one, whether that's Free agency or trade, I would assume it's free agency, though, but I don't think it's going to be like a long-term deal, which is why maybe Stroman could make sense. Um, I think Stroman would be kind of that – he'd be the fiery guy that I feel like the Yankees don't have. Uh, and and, I, and if I can – if I know one thing about Yankees fans, as much as they hate Stroman, Stroman feels like a guy to Yankees fans where if he was on the Yankees, they would love him, but they hate him because he's not on the Yankees and he's talked trash about the Yankees. But if he was on the Yankees, I feel like Yankees fans would turn would have his back because he's that fiery personality that they don't really have. Um, and with the leadership that the Yankees supposedly have with Judge 
and the other guys there. I think he having that guy like a showman, I think the leadership would be able to keep him in check somewhat. So I think that's what's been rumored with Stroman, like that he might be he's having conversations with the Yankees. I think that can make sense. Could be someone else. Um, but I don't think it's a big deal that they haven't signed anyone because, like I said, I think they are going to sign someone. It's just they're going to have to make the right signing and probably something short-term, not long-term. Mike, would you embrace Marcus Stroman if he was a Yan- if he became a Yankee, do you think? Like right away, do you think he'd be – he's like, oh, this guy is, is built to be a Yankee? Uh, to be honest, not really. Um, I, I personally don't necessarily want to see it because – I just think that's a failed experiment waiting to happen. Um, I watched Marcus Stroman a lot last year. Like when he got hot, he w- it was fun to watch. Don't get me wrong, but I thought it was kind of weird. Like he started pitching good, then he was thought he was going to hold like the Cubs ransom and basically say start you know pay me now, and then they were like, well we're going to wait to see you in a full season first. Like let's just not make sure this isn't just a fluke. And then kind of all of a sudden, you know it seemed like to me he fell off. I mean, he didn't, I don't think he had a great season. I think he had a good stint. Um, so I don't want to see it happen. I, I do like his personality and I do agree with Derek. If he'd have one game to prove it, if he came in and threw a mass, you know, got a win and, you know, started firing up the crowd, he would be loved. He'd be a fan favorite pretty quickly. You know, that's, that's what they wanted uh Carlos Rodon to do last year. He was that fiery guy, but you'll see real quickly if you start losing games, they're going to be you quicker than they'll cheer for you too. Um, but I don't know. I think the two guys are Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. Um, Blake Snell, I mean, the guy won the Cy Young. I know people don't think he can go very long. Um, but the Yankees got, uh, I mean, as far as last year, you know, they were the number one bullpen uh, ERA. They were like top 10 in um, saves, top 10 in um, hits allowed. So, or it was 11th in saves and 10th in hits allowed. But, Still, like, they, they can do, you know, if they got a good bullpen, Snell's a good fit for him. I think he's the perfect number two behind Cole. Um, it'd be a little different scenario for him. You know, you don't have to be that main guy like you were in San Diego to carry the load, you know, when you're facing that good team. So, I don't know. Um, and as far I wanted to get this off my chest. Heard you made comments before about Jordan Montgomery. And, like, if that's true that you don't want to come here because, like, get over yourself, dude. You had one good postseason. Relax. Um, I want you as a Yankee. I think we, I want you to come back, but no one was really making that noise when the Yankees let you go for Harrison Bader either. Like they weren't like, what are they doing? You weren't really that proven yet. I know, but in the same breath, it was like at the time, like if you had asked in 2000, I think they got rid of him in 2022 and 2023, like when Harrison Bader was actually playing and not injured, it looked okay. Like people were like, you know what? We need a center baseman, fair trade, fair trade. Um, it wasn't until he went to tech, you know, till he went to Texas, and I think they started winning all these games. And you know, obviously, he looked really good in the playoffs. Um, that I think, you know, people really got, you know, thinking like, oh, he's making all this money now, and you know, he's gonna make all this money this offseason. Which, as like, dude, and it, it, to me, walking in the Yankee, if you get, if you sign with the Yankees, walk in with that big ring on your finger, and that's the biggest payback anyone's ever. There's nothing else to be said. You, you got the ring; it worked out for you. Now come here and pitch. Shave that stupid beard off. Uh, but I, I haven't heard. I mean, I think people have more just assumed that he doesn't want to go back to the Yankees because he ha- he has talked. The one thing I know he has said was that the Yankees told him to stop throwing his fastball so much. And then that was kind of the key to his surge this year. 
still, it's like, I personally, I don't want to see the Red Sox get Montgomery for whatever ace money he's going to get. Because I still don't see him as an ace. I see him as a really good number three at times. Uh, but kind of a wishy-washy guy who will be really good at times. And yeah, no Yankee fans were were pining for Montgomery when he was traded for Harrison Bader, especially once Bader in the, the playoffs in 2022 and Bader was the only Yankee hitting. Um, but I did tell John at the time it was a mistake. It was, it was really dumb to, to trade away uh, a good pitcher when you need pitching depth for a stretch run for a center fielder that's always injured. Um, so I just want to remind John of that. Hopefully he's listening. Um, and I, I want Derek mentioned Michael King. I think that's kind of not getting enough attention. Like the way I see it, the Yankees may have given up the third best pitcher on their entire pitching staff um, when they when they traded Michael King uh, in this Soto deal. Like obviously Radone is more talented, but I mean he didn't show it last year. So I think you know the Yankees have have had a really good bullpen for years now. They've been really reliable. I think he was one of the biggest parts of that. Um, that he could go two, three innings at any point, give you a spot start at any point. Um, so, and I only say he's third. He was, I think he was the third best pitcher on the Yankees because Clark Schmidt came from out of nowhere and pitched really well all season uh, in a starting role where he was, I feel like he was just kind of thrown in there as an afterthought. Um, but, uh, before we wrap up the Yankees, Mike, any any under-the-radar areas of need that you can think of? Like, I know everyone knows they want to add starting pitching. Uh, anything, any any other areas of need that you can think of? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, uh, I did want to just, uh, you had mentioned the Michael King thing. Like That turns out to be really bad if Juan Soto leaves after this year. Like, I, that's kind of where my mind is on that. Like, if, if he stays, it works out bygones be bygones that's what we had to give up it ended up working out he's going to be a yankee for a really long time but if he leaves i mean like that's 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 where it was like okay that's a big price for one year like unless you win the world that's like unless you win the world series what you know what, it's going to end up being a bad trade so obviously um but uh yeah not really man i mean i, I looked at the free agents left i, I don't want them to really go after anyone non-pitching because I want them to focus on pitching. That's really it. I mean, I did see Gio Urshela is still a free agent who it was a Yankee favorite of mine a couple years ago. Got rid of uh, IKF uh, was the utility guy. Maybe you bring Gio to be the utility guy since IKF went to Toronto. So um, I don't know. That's about it. I don't want to really see him to go after too many people. I think Gio Urshela is as loved by Yankee fans as like Dave Winfield and Don Mattingly are loved by Yankee fans, and I've never understood it. Derek, uh, what do you what do you got? I think the Yankees can maybe use like a lefty reliever. Um, Wandy Peralta is a free agent. Um, obviously, a reunion there could make sense. Maybe it's someone else. Um, but right now, you look at the Yankees bullpen, uh, and right now it's Victor Gonzalez, who they got from the Dodgers in a trade, but. I don't think he's going to be like that back end lefty at all. And then it's Nick Ramirez, who we'll see. Uh, I, don't, I don't. He doesn't really have like the pedigree. Wandy Peralta was the guy for the Yankees last couple of years. Maybe they bring in someone else. Maybe it's like a Matt Moore. Um, but I think the Yankees could use a, another lefty in the bullpen, especially one more towards the back end to use late in games, especially against lefty heavy lineups. And I'm not, I'm going to bring this up not 
guess it's as big of an effect, but this is the team that kind of comes off the top of my head. With Everyone's been, like, in the NL West, a lot of those teams have been acquiring lefty pitchers because the Dodgers have a very lefty-heavy lineup. Um, I think the Yankees, if they face, like, a lefty – let's use the Astros. Not, like, a super lefty-heavy lineup. In the middle of the lineup, you have Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker. You probably would lo- like to have a lefty. You get late in the game, Jordan Alvarez or Kyle Tucker's up with a guy on base, one-run game. You'd like to have a lefty that you're very confident in going to in the bullpen. Um, so I think that's something the Yankees could use. I don't think it's a necessity, but I, it would be a very nice thing for them to have. So Wandy Peralta is a free agent right now? Yep. That totally slipped under my radar. So they lost Michael King and Wandy Peralta out of that bullpen this offseason. I, I didn't realize that. So Wandy's coming back. I'm not even worried about that. I would He's- think so. He's coming back, yeah. They're just working out numbers. That's it. He's he's in the he's in he's out of the country, just hanging out with family right now. He's not worried about it. He might have been the fourth best pitcher <laughs> on the Yankees. He was a stud the last couple of years. Um, all right. Uh, well, let's move on to another uh, lazy front office, uh, the Boston Red Sox. Who it's, that's not exactly fair. I like that they got Von Grissom. Um, I like. Uh, I like what Lucas Giolito could be and has been before. Um, But, uh, but um, more than more so than their, um, their off season doings and non doings. I want to talk about some of these rumors that are going on about the Red Sox. It's hard to tell if they have any merit or not because the Red Sox have seemed completely leak proof for the last couple of years yet. They are there are rumors abounding a plenty for them, and I wrote about this um, on Tuesday in my uh, column. Uh, are the Red Sox throttling or being throttled? Right when the Red Sox traded away Chris Sale, this big black hole in their rotation for the last four years, and for Von Grissom, who by all accounts it should be a very good uh, second baseman in the major leagues, it was. Hours after this trade was done and a lot of Red Sox fans were celebrating, all of a sudden the rumors come out. Oh, the Red Sox have a budget, have a strict, had a strict budget last year. They haven't, they're going to have a strict budget again this year. And they're, they're shopping not only Kenley Jansen to free up, um, to, to trade, to trade, not for a premier player in exchange, but to free up payroll. But also they are rumored to be shopping Masataka Yoshida. Uh, to free up payroll because he's making about twenty million dollars a year. Um, Derek, do, do you give any actual merit uh, to these rumors about Jansen, but specifically about Yoshida? I don't think they're shopping Yoshida. I think the wording was more like they're not sh- actively shopping him, but they're willing to listen. Which let's like let's be honest, you're going to be pretty much willing to listen on like the majority of everyone, anyways, because. If someone offers a really, really good deal that you can't turn down, you're not just going to be like, oh, no, we like this guy so much. We're not taking that deal, even though it's an amazing deal, right? So, like, I think they're like they're willing to listen probably on Yoshida. I don't see anything happening. I don't think it's realistic. Kenley Jansen, on the other hand, I think does get dealt, and I think it does make a lot of sense in some aspects. Because right now, the Red Sox, if – the thing about them having a budget – well, we know last year they had th- – this budget seemingly is real. They had that budget around the deadline last year of 225, which was wor- right where they ended up. 
And you start looking at ownership. You go, why are they not pushing to the CBT threshold? Here's the thing. You, the last two times the Red Sox went over the CBT threshold was 2022 when they missed the postseason and 2019. And they were they were at they had a higher the highest payroll I think they've had under Red Sox ownership was 2019 I think it was either 18 or 19 they're both within a million of each it other it was 19 and in ni- 19 they missed the postseason as well yes 2018 they won it they were so far the Red Sox ownership had never really gone over the luxury tax like that until Dombrowski in 2018 never 18 you win it all cool it paid off. 2019 that far over it and that was when the luxury tax number was like 200 like 2 million or something like that and their payroll is at like 245 million you miss the playoffs in 19 you get under in 2020 and that was basically because they traded Mookie Betts and David Price um they got the price deal out of there in the bench trade it's the only reason they were under 21 they're under they make the postseason everything's great 22 they go over just barely go over and they miss and then last year they were under. Um, but so it is this kind of thing. If you're looking at ownership and it's like, why aren't you spending all this money? One, before 2018, their payroll had never been anywhere near as high as it is even now. And I think that part of that is due to inflation of baseball contracts and the and the CBT threshold going up, which had, wasn't that high before, which, uh, okay, makes sense. Um, but also, too. You start looking at it, like I said, the last few years, they've missed the post. Last few years, they went over, they missed the postseason. So, and I, I talked about this elsewhere. I said, it do, the CBT threshold number really doesn't matter if your team is, if your team's awesome or your team sucks. Is your team, if like, if your team sucks, like, and you're, and you have a high payroll, it's, it's terrible whether you go over or you don't go over. If your team's really good with a low payroll, well, you're really good. And the perfect world is you get controllable talent, and I'll use this example. You think about the Tampa Bay Rays and how good they are with their payroll. Imagine if they could spend as much as the Boston Red Sox, right? You know how good they would be? Like, the the fact that the Red Sox are spending as much as they are, yes, obviously, we are supposed to be this big market team, but... It, just because you don't spend up to the CBT threshold doesn't mean you can't be a good team, right? And I think that's the thing. The Red Sox, even though they spent $225 million last year, they weren't good, right? So I think in the sense of Kenley, tra- I think trading it makes sense. Only one year left. He's only gonna, he's only getting older, and it is a loaded bullpen. You look at their bullpen. You have Martin. You have Whitlock. You have Schreiber. You have Winkowski, Bernardino. Um Potentially Tanner Houck or Nick Pavetta could be in the bullpen. Um, you have Justin Slayton and Brian Mata who have to be in the bullpen next year unless you lose because you're going to lose one of them. Slayton Rule 5 draft. Um, so he has to be on the big league roster or he's offered back to his original team or Brian Mata has no options. So if they if he doesn't make the big league roster, he's got to go on waivers. Um, and then you also have a guy like a Zach Kelly who does have options. Uh, very little bullpen. And my kind of structure for trading Jansen uh, I think they will add one starting pitcher. I think at this point it's likely to be through a trade. Uh, but if you add this one starting pitcher, uh, and then you have Bayo, Gilito, Pavetta, and Crawford as your rotation, without Jansen, you have Martin, Whitlock, Schreiber, Hauk, Winkowski, Bernardino, Slayton, Mata, and Kelly in the bullpen. That's already nine guys for eight bullpen spots. That doesn't include your Brandon Walter. That doesn't include the other relievers that are going to potentially be AAA depth, who maybe, or a guy like a Cooper Criswell who got an MOB deal right? Doesn't even include those guys on that. So I think trading Jansen could make sense. Andrew Bailey just today said that 
they don't necessarily need to have a permanent ninth inning guy. It doesn't have to be the same one ninth inning guy all the time. Yeah, screw that. Have success uh, without <laughs> that. So I think the signs are leaning towards Kenley getting dealt. Um, I think you can if you can flip them, get another team to eat the majority of his contract, give you a little bit more money. I don't think the Sox get near that first CBT threshold of two, I think it's what two thirty three. Or maybe it bumped two, up to like two thirty five or two. It was two thirty three last year. It was two thirty three last year. I think it bumped up a little bit, but but regardless, I don't think they're. I think that at most their payroll is probably going to be around where it was last year of two twenty five, uh, maybe a little bit less. Um, and I think honestly, it's just part of the ownership is looking at it and going, "What's the point of signing these massive contracts if they aren't going to push us over the top?" Because even if they went out and got a Snell or Montgomery, like that doesn't really. Like, yes, it's going to add a couple wins, but are you going to project that to push the Red Sox to World Series contention? No. I might Maybe I, it pushes them into the playoffs, but... I agree completely, and I don't think Snell and Montgomery are those... You know, either of them are those guys, like... They're the guys to anchor your rotation for the next few years. People want them to get... Because they know the Red Sox need an ace... And these are the two biggest names out there. But that's the kind of thinking that that got them Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford and Pablo Sandoval and David Price. And, I mean, extending Chris Sale, I guess you could say. Um, But I think you made a very good point that I don't think a lot of Red Sox fans realize. And I didn't realize until today when I was reading uh, Alex Spears' article. People don't – Red Sox fans don't understand that the Red Sox aren't this team that just – stomps on the cbt every single year they have i didn't realize how rarely they've gone over the c the collect the 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 cbt tax three times or something like that uh since it's since the cbt has even been a thing so it's um you know it's not necessarily about just spending money it's about spending smart smart money but that doesn't change the fact that this fan base is going to eat itself alive and they want John Henry's head. They want Tom Warner's head because they're not getting those mostly because they didn't get Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And these rumors about dishing guys like, uh, you know, star, a star like Kenley Jansen and a guy who I think is going to be an imp, a star, uh, moving forward, like Masataka Yoshida, Who's, I see him as the leadoff man uh, myself with all those walks he draws. But I, these rumors are just killing the team, rep, the, the reputation of the team even more. If they dump either of those guys and they don't add a legit one or two starter, then fan interest is going to be in the dumps worse than we've seen uh, since 2004, I think. Um, your thoughts on that, on the this insane fan base we have? I, I'll put it like, like I think the championships over the last 20 years has made the expectation that you have to win. And I'll just put it bluntly, like, you're not going to win every year, right? And I think everyone knows that, but that doesn't change their expectation that you should win every year, right? And obviously, we want to be competitive every year, but even the White Sox, even you look through the 2010s, they weren't competitive every year, right? So... There is that thing of like sometimes you do have to reset. Obviously, this has been a little bit of a long, prolonged streak of you know 
besides 2021, it was 2019, missed the playoffs, 2020, missed the playoffs, even although that was a weird year, but you still missed the playoffs, right? 21, you make it. 22, you missed the playoffs. 23, you missed the playoffs. Four out of the last five years. That's not ideal, right? Um, and a lot of people say, you know, you win a championship, you should give your give your team and ownership a five-year window before you start bothering them. Well, if the, even the people who go by that logic, that five-year window is up, right? So people are now really starting to go. They're tired of losing. You look at the Red Sox. They won in 04. Then you win three years later in 07. Then you win six years later in 13. And then you win five years later in 18. We're getting close to being in that longest gap under this ownership group without winning a World Series. It's getting close to that, right? And Red Sox fans now, especially younger fans, have basically been indoctrinated into winning, almost like Yankees fans in the old days were, right? Exactly. And whenever we're now starting to become this fan base of, we have to win. We have to be the Red Sox that are always winning, almost like the Yankees fans had done maybe, you know, even 10 years ago, right? And that's not like a slight at Yankees fans. I'm not saying Red Sox fans now are bad, but what I'm saying is that it's a little unfair to expect to win every single year. Do we want it? Yes, but we got to be realistic. It's not going to happen. I think for me, I just want to see this team get, be better than last year. I don't want to take a step back. And I've, I've wrote about this a couple of years ago about the, the big picture, the whole organization, the four kind of levels that you have. You have your big league, talent, your big league depth, your top end of your farm system, and then you have the depth of your farm system, right? If the organization as a whole in all four of those departments gets better next year, I'll be happy about it. Is it going to be great? If even what is it going to be like this amazing feeling as winning the World Series? No, it's not the same. But I want to see this organization take a step forward next year. I don't want to be sticking in the same spot or taking a step back. It's, I think the expectation should be taking a step forward and I think the disappointment would be if they don't move forward. I think they can still move forward this year without making the massive, massive move that a lot of people want them to make. The expectation should be making the playoffs, at the very least, winning uh, winning a playoff series. That's where my expectation's at. Um, and you're right that we're just like – we hate well, not we, because you weren't alive then. But I, I hated Yankee fans because of that mentality that we we have to win the World Series every year, and it's an embarrassment that, that we don't. And Red Sox fans are the same way. The thing is, Red Sox fans have seen four World Series uh, in the past uh, twenty years. We've also also seen, I think, five last place finishes <laughs> during that time, maybe even more than that. So, I mean, it's definitely a boomer bust kind of team as opposed to the Yankees, which are always good, but they haven't been able to get over the hump in 13 years, 14 years. Um, Mike, how do you feel? Are you, are you, you were not, were you con- cognizant of what was happening? I can't, I can never remember how old you are. Late 90s, uh, the, the dynasty years. Were you old enough to know what's going on? What was going on? Uh, I mean, childhood memories. I was born in '94, so okay. kind of like you know when you're kind of like when your love for baseball is like kind of kicking in. Like it was definitely a cool era. You know, my dad is a huge Yankees fan, so like wasn't an option if you were watching it or not. Um, but in the same breath, I was you know six years old, so I don't. It's not like I remember him like it was yesterday either. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys, man. I mean, the, it's toxic to want to win every year. And like, 
I hear your guys' pain because you you know you guys say like you know we you guys won in in recent history more than the Yankees. Um, so you, your fan base is kind of taking that like we've got to be good every year. And the problem with you know I feel your pain in a different way because the Yankees are almost good every year. I mean this year I don't say they were good, but in the same breath like record wise we were a lot better than some of the you know the team the teams in the MLB that you consider not good. Um, and my point with that being is like, it's almost just as frustrating to be like, you know, good enough to get in the world series, but always get kicked out, you know, in the same, you know, whether it's the first round or the ALDS, it, like that's even just almost more frustrating. It's like, how, how close can you be? Like, you know, Brian Cashman, yes, you started out great. Your career was, you know, you won all these things, but like you said, where, where have you been the last 13 years? Like that's, you know, that's almost half my life. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, man. It's I definitely like I was in that era, like when I grew up, my dad was a huge Yankee fan. So I came up as like, I want the Yankees to be good every year. I expect them to be good every year. I've seen the World Series, you know, not like they did back in the day, but I remember the feeling I felt in 2009. Um, and like, you know, it's kind of sucks not, you know, being close enough to be there or close, you know, close to being there again. But I guess not, you know, not, you know, the f- the fulfilling part is not there. So I was, you know, the Red Sox were losers when I was very young, uh, and they continue to be losers until I was an adult. Um, I was 22 years old, and they finally won. I was six years old when I saw them in the playoffs. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Four-game sweep to the A's. They got there again when I was eight years old, two years later in 1990. Sweep uh, by the A's again, and then... It was the Blue Jays. They couldn't get by. Um, Blue Jays were way better than they were, and the, like the Red Sox were that team that was. They were good. They, they were the like just like the Yankees are now. Like they were good. They were. They were good enough to be uh, two rungs from the top. There was always one team that would spank them when it really mattered. First it was the A's, and then it was the Blue Jays, and then it became the Yankees, and and. That was it, and then the Yankees got to enjoy that long dynasty until the Red Sox finally won one. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed every minute of that. The Red Sox being the king of the hill for those three years, and then suffering through 2011, the total, the horrible collapse. And then I just so the Red Sox being in last place um, several times in the last ten years is not. It's not completely alien to me. But it's hard to get used to that when you're used to winning. And it's really hard to not get angry about it. And I get angry about it as much as most other people do. Um, But I also, I'm old enough that I got to enjoy a lot of that. And I think, like Derek said before, a lot of these fans that are around his age are a lot different than him. And they're like, what is this? We, We win in Boston. And that this is not how we're supposed to do things here. Don't tell me you got the... Don't tell me that uh, you don't want to pay for the best free agents available because that's what we always get. Um, But like Derek said, they didn't always spend at the top. They didn't always spend over the top. They very rarely spent over the CBT. Um, In that same article where Alex Spear talked about that, uh, he said that the Red Sox, the word is that the Red Sox would rather get their um, number one, I guess you could call it, starter via trade. And throw money on it. That's what I wanted him to do 
from the beginning because I don't think that number one guy is out there. And I think a lot of this is PTSD because the last time, because Dombrowski threw big money at the best names available. And both of those contracts were crap at the end. David Price and Chris Sale were both next to useless in their last three or so years of their contract. Um, Derek, you feel, you feel like this is, I mean, it's it's just learned behavior probably, which is smart. You know, you, it's, uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results is the definition of insanity, as they say. But do you think it's, uh, they just, look, we got burned by price when we threw money at him for a lot of years. We got burned by sale when we threw money at him for a lot of years. Why would we risk this same result with Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery? Also, too, also, like, before that, like, you look at, like, the whole, like, 2010s, it's like, Carl Crawford got burned, right? Pablo Sandoval, you got burned. Hanley Ramirez, I don't necessarily say you totally got burned, because he had the 30-homer year, and he was a part of the 2018 team team early on before he got DFA'd. I don't think Hanley was a total failure, but maybe that's just my bias towards him, because he's one of my favorite players all time, even before he was with the Red Sox, so that might be a little bit of bias on my part. Um... But the price contract outside of the World Series burned them um, and was a big reason why they didn't get to keep Mookie Betts long-term. The sale contract burned them. The Eovaldi contract, even a, even somewhat, because um, two of those four years for Evaldi, well, one of the years was really good. The, another one of those years was great, but not like the elite year he kind of had. And then the other two years, especially the first year of that contract, was a nightmare. Um, so it's... I think maybe probably learning a little bit um, and maybe being a little bit more cautious. Um, and also, too, you look at the free agent signings that the Red Sox have made in the most successful ones. You look at the guys like a J.D. Martinez. What kind of signing was J.D. Martinez? He wasn't as massive. Yes, he made a lot of money, but he wasn't as massive money signing. He was the guy that they needed to get over the hump, right? He was that guy. He wasn't the signing of, you know, we're going to throw money at him and hope he solves our problems and gets us there and gets us like to being a contender he's like no we're that was the no we're already a contender this is just going to put us over the top it's the one last hole we need to fill uh whereas you know the signings of like pablo sandoval and even hanley ramirez they weren't filling holes in terms of you know this is going to push us over the top it was we need players we need we need to try and win and we're not winning so just chuck a bunch of money at people and hope and pray it works it wasn't really filling holes because Hanley Ramirez, where they put him in left field, like that's like no, like that's that would that was he didn't fit. So he didn't fit at time. all. Exactly, he in no way they fit just, that team. But they just got him. Exactly. So he's a, we need a we need a bat, and he's a bat. He played shortstop. How why can't he learn to play left field really easily? Which he probably could yeah. have if he applied himself to it at all. But he's Hanley Ramirez. I still think he's related to Manny Ramirez. He was built like a linebacker by the time he got back to the Red Sox. Like, if if they would have signed Hanley to play third base, that would have been one thing, because then you could see the fit, right? It's like okay, but you signed Sandoval to play third, and now where do you put Hanley? You have Bogarts at short, you have Pedroia at second. You're not going to put him at first base, which they ended up doing anyways. They then chuck him in left field, like. 
that that's that's those are the signings that they need to avoid. They're not going to make those type of signings, I don't believe. But I think those signings, in part of the and like you add on those on to the price contract backfiring by the end of it, and the sale contract not panning out, and and that even like like you could even argue like I know John Lackey won the World Series, but that was the guy they paid a lot of money to, and yes, he ended up winning a World Series, but that contract almost didn't pan out. And he so hated it here bit, too. He hated so it here. The, so, so there is that. I think there is a little bit of like, okay, let's be careful because a lot of the times they have spent a lot of money. It doesn't always work. Uh, and you look at a lot of the good players on their World Series teams. You look at 2018. A lot of homegrown players, especially position players on the team. Mookie Betts, Sander Bogart, Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Benintendi, Brock Holt. Uh, Rafael Devers, right? And then the big acquisition, the big players that help, obviously, J.D. Martinez, like I said, but, you know, your Mitch Moreland, your Ian Kinsler, who was a veteran at the time, Eduardo Nunez, right? And um, Sale and Price. At, <laughs> but you look at the 2013 team, you, you have, like, the Ortiz, Pedroia, Ellsbury group that was there a long time, but then it was a lot of veterans and, and Victorino and Napoli and et cetera, et cetera. But you also had your Will Middlebrooks and you had Xander Bogarts come up by the end of the year, right? Um, you look at 07, there was a group coming up of the Pedroia and Ellsbury and Lester and Buckles and that whole group that was coming up through the system. That 2021 that team was very similar to that 2013 team, like in retrospect. That's why I thought that 2021 team would, would be able to do it because that 2013 team did it. Uh, so why can't they? And I, I, think I it was do want to touch less like veteran based, but I think yeah. it was similar in some senses. Yes. I do want to touch on uh, price and sale just once more because it's like now people you tell people like, you know, it's not just about throwing money at it. Look at David Price. Look at Chris Sale. And people say, yeah, they want to they want us a World Series. But these are the same people who say like, well, no, we have to compete every year. So that's not acceptable. So they're going to forgive. The, the two good years that Sale had, where he burned out at the end uh, of both of those years anyway and wasn't himself, uh, wasn't the Chris Sale he was throughout those t- uh, the bulk of those two years. And you're going to forgive all the crap that David Price caused because he had that great October of 2018. So it's like you can't demand excellence and then like praise those kind of signings, uh, you can't demand excellence every year and then praise those kind of signings like, oh, I wish we were the same team we were back when we got David Price and Chris Sale because those guys gave way more bad years than they did good years. And then even Price, he had some, he had good stats most years, would win 17 games or whatever, but the injuries and the off-field nonsense and the blowing it in big games and stuff, it's like, it just... It, it, it's, it just seems very two-faced and contradictory. Um, Mike, can you think of any instances where the Yankees had players that you thought were going to be really good but just weren't didn't fit there? Like like we were just talking about with Hanley Ramirez. Like I know Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was a catcher and a third baseman, and they brought him in to play shortstop for some reason, but he wasn't like a – oh, we need his bat, so we'll just throw him anywhere. Can you think of any Yankee players that have been like that? Like, this was a bad idea from the beginning because this guy just does not fit for whatever reason. Um, hmm. 
Maybe not on the spot. I have uh, my <laughs> when you said doesn't fit and you know played at like play you know kind of like a terrible. Con- you guys were talking about bad contracts. Like I hate to say this, but Giancarlo Stanton's getting pretty close to that. You know, like I mean, like if he comes out and plays like he did last year, like that's just going to be a failed experiment. Because I mean, like, and I don't even expect experiment. I know he, when we got him, he was in the prime and he had some really good years for the Yankees. And by all means, like. When he's on, he's on. When he he gets hot, he he goes. He has a good step. But between the injuries and then like even last year, like they, you know when you did play, wasn't that good. Um, so you're not a good outfielder. You're not a good defensive man. So like, what are you? You know, if you're not if you're not smacking bombs every game, what are you? So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's better answers than that. Um, that's maybe a little bit more recency biased. I'm not saying he doesn't fit, but if you want to talk about contracts that just don't sit well with me right now, like. We're stuck. I mean, who's going to take that off the Yankees' hands? So, I mean, I will say, um, speaking of that, I mean, I know they said that they, he's been he's been losing weight and getting a different shape and torquing his body. We'll see because I, if you're not one of the biggest dudes smacking him, what are you going to do? So, um, I don't know. Time will tell. But, no, that's my first. That's my only answer. I don't, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure there's better ones, but. He's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna come out all flexible and like he's gonna be like a contortionist out there. He's gonna be yeah. playing left field and shagging down flies like that. That's I, I didn't the, the I didn't think say he he ran 180 feet to catch this ball. Um, <laughs> I didn't think you can uh, have more than a six pack. So I guess he's working on an eight pack <laughs> and a twelve pack. So we'll see. More more proof that it's not just about the the, the sexiest names that are out there and pay, because. Sometimes for whatever reason it just doesn't work out, and I remember short. I think it was right before the Yankees traded for Giancarlo Stanton. He was on a the cover, or maybe not the cover, but he was in Muscle and Fitness or one of those. Um, you know, one yeah, of you those couldn't you couldn't find fitness. him without a shirt off. Right, he was like he looked like you know he looked like a, a like a professional wrestler, uh, like yeah. he looked like you know like he like he could whoop anybody's ass and it's like wow this guy and it's like silly looking back on it like it's he's a baseball player <laughs> like he's not a he's yeah. not a linebacker <laughs> this uh this podcast i listen to it's uh david sampson uh he used to be the team president of the marlins back in the day it's called uh, nothing personal but uh he's the one that eventually gave stanton that big contract when he was with miami and um it's just funny to hear him talk about him. Like he, like he goes, like you think he looks good and on TV. He goes, like in person, you swear you're looking like at a Greek god. Like the dude just, all he does is work out and wears tight clothes. <laughs> it's like The Rock. Yeah. Another Red Sox poor fit. 2007 wire to wire, the best team in the league, just mowing down the competition at the deadline. They don't really need much, but I think uh, they lost a setup. Uh, some setup man got hurt. One of the, um, I think it was Manny Del Carmen may may have gotten hurt. I'm not sure. So who do they bring in? Eric Gagne. They already have Jonathan Papelbon as the closer, one of the best closers in the game. Like, oh, Eric Gagne is available. Yeah, let's trade for him. He'll be our eighth inning guy. Did awful. He found pitching in the ninth inning. <laughs> the getting the last three outs in a close game was way easier. Than getting the, the the fourth, fifth, and sixth, like the sixth, fifth, and fourth last outs, like it was the craziest thing. Like, why did he just all of a sudden suck? Because he wasn't in the ninth inning. Like, y- you've got to be a fit. <laughs> you got to fit that team and have the talent. 
I'd I'd like to make an apology to John Carlos Stanton for saying his name before Josh Donaldson. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. He at That's least was true. playing the right position, but yes, you're, I mean, it was. I was talking to Terrible. my neighbor. He he listens to the show. Hi, Clint, if you're listening. Um, but um, we were talking about we were talking about third baseman uh, that we li- we've liked throughout our lives, and he's like Donaldson was his favorite. Like he loved Donaldson. He couldn't think of his name. He's like, oh, he was on the Blue Jays and the A's. And like, are you talking about Donaldson? He's like, yeah, love that guy. And this guy, my friend Clint, he can't. He's a Rockies fan. I mean, he's a Braves fan, lifelong Braves fan. But he he lived in Colorado. He was a big Rockies fan. Can't stand Arenado. <laughs> Says like that guy chokes. He's so overrated. He's ridiculous. <laughs> he's like Donaldson. Love Donaldson. Love Donaldson. And I just laughed. So I'm like, oh man, it's just funny because you can't even say that name around Yankee fans without like them you know just turning their faces turning red like they just they hate the thought of him they hate his face they hate everything about him it was so pain his first game as a yankee too i'm pretty sure he hit a walk off and he had like veins popping out of his neck i was so hyped i thought we just got you know the the next gift to the baseball world another resurrection in someone's career and that got swallowed up pretty quickly i think carpenter 2.0 yeah, <laughs> that now that worked out. That dude was yeah. hitting bombs. How did that happen? Somehow, I don't know. It was literally Carpenter goes to the Yankees. He has like the best like four three month stretch of his career, and then he got hurt. And then he came back and was still hitting. And it's like, where did this come from? And then he goes to the Padres last year, and it's just like, up oh, nope, he sucks again. Yeah, Babe Carpenter just out of nowhere. Like um, he was, he was 2013 playoffs. David Ortiz, all of a sudden, um, and uh, oh, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh yeah, we were talking about it. Was, was last season sometime, and I don't know if it was John or Barnes, uh, who was our our a Yankee guy that we used to have on the show, um, and he, I, one of them referred to the Yankees as the Avengers, and one of us Red Sox fans said, okay, well then. Well then, which Avenger is Donaldson? And um, somebody finally arrived at. Well, yeah, Donaldson's Hawkeye. <laughs> and then John was like, "Dude, don't say that. Hawkeye's really good. Don't Barnes say that about Hawkeye." Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hawkeye is pretty cool, actually. I respect that Donaldson he doesn't have any superpowers. Was cool at one point in time. <laughs> um. All right, I think that's gonna wrap it up. Jeez, I'm I'm actually kind of sad we don't have a Dara report. Um, Der- Derek has been flawless. This was a hell of a show, I have to say, and Derek had, it was perhaps the be- the best part of it. Not a single interruption. I'm, I, but it's fine. I don't have to find any more uh, statements uh, to give for his punishment for the Dara report. I have enough stored for the next couple shows anyway. Oh, he was gonna do it. He was just gonna interrupt me, but he thought better of it and he just stuck a finger in the air instead. Now he's doing the Hulk Hogan thing. Wagging his finger. What's up, Derek? What you got? Um, I do have one. I actually will take actually two things. Um, so I was actually looking. I was actually had been looking around at Kenley trades um, using uh, BTV uh, baseball trade values, and there's the trades. I'm looking around like what would be what might work value wise, and I then I looked on their trade boards, see what other users have been posting, um, and one of their featured trades right now is actually Jansen to the Rangers. Um, Four. And the Red Sox sending Kenley Jansen and about ten million in cash. 
um, for Jack Leiter and taking a flyer on Jack Leiter, who has had it really rough since the Rangers have drafted him in the minor leagues. But the Red Sox are a – they could very much use a potential top-end pitching prospect. And if you chuck Leiter on the Red Sox farm system, he, may be, he honestly might be the top pitching prospect they would have. Um, so I thought that one was extremely interesting. Uh, if they were Jansen, Jansen's making sixteen million, so the Red Sox covers ten of that sixteen million. So you do cut six million, um, and then my idea for starting pitcher has been for a little bit is Patrick Sandoval. I mean, I personally like him. Had a really good twenty twenty two, a little bit worse last year, but he pitched I think one hundred and forty something innings each of the last two years. Also pitched in the WBC from Mexico last year, um, and I think Chris Cotillo said today that he thinks Bayo's going to be their one. They're going to get a number two in a trade, and then it's going to be Giolito, and they fill out the rest of the rotation with guys who are already there. Um, I I'll think take that's a number said, two. So, I'll so take a bona fide were, number two, definitely. So if they were to – Bayo were to be the one, Patrick Sandoval could slide in. I think they definitely need a lefty starter. Um, and my idea for a trade for Sandoval was actually uh, getting Sandoval and Brandon Drury. Um, and flipping uh, Jaron Duran, Chase Nijoth, and then maybe adding in like a pitching prospect, maybe someone like on Hell Bastardo. Do I love that trade? No, because I re- I'm really high on Bastardo. Um, and trading Duran leaves him kind of without a typical leadoff hitter. But um, if you want a guy like Patrick Sandoval, I think you'd have to give up Duran. And Duran could play outfield for the Angels, I think would make that some sense in that, in that side of things. Um, just we don't know what the Angels do because – who the heck knows what they're ever doing. But if the Angels get another lefty starter, like what might be rumored with a Snell or uh, Montgomery, potentially, they already have Reed Detmers. Um, and they have um, – I think they also have already have Tyler Anderson too. So they already have three lefty starters if you include Sandoval. If they bring in another one, they have four. Sandoval could be surplus. He has three years of control. I think that could be extremely interesting. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we close. Okay, good stuff. Um, however – I was wrapping up the show, so I might need to have to consider that an interruption. Um, I, I guess I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. This is this is the first uh, probationary show, so we'll, we'll we'll let you slide on that one. <clears throat> um, and next week we can talk about uh, assuming the Red Sox still haven't done anything else and the Yankees haven't done anything else, and we can talk uh, more trade uh, um, more trade scenarios because I gave one in my column on Tuesday. And nobody, none of the Red Sox Bleacher Brawls guys uh, agreed with it whatsoever. Uh, maybe we can talk about that next week. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you're tuning in uh, Monday morning uh, for the the B-Team show, the rivalry show, um, and, uh, with uh, John and Pat and Joey. And uh, make sure you're checking out BleacherBrawls.com. Oh, Derek, you want to plug uh, the... Um, the series really quick you want to plug the series that yes, you're going to be starting um so me and the uh guys at the ball ball pod the three of us uh have been doing top 10 rankings for each position uh including also two top 50 starters and top 20 relievers so um with them i'm going to be writing columns for bleacher brawls um where we i will essentially go over each of those top 10 rankings uh pretty much up until we get through opening day the rankings are currently being released on twitter daily um, but the columns will be going out probably once a week. Um, and we're going to kind of exp- give a little bit more on the players instead of just a rankings list. This column will actually be their stats last season, their projections, and then just kind of a little bit of an overview and, you know, and 
nothing too outlandish, but you know, top ten you'll get to see all the rankings and whatnot. So I think it'll be very good. Top ten players by position. Uh, we're gonna start with the starting pitchers uh, next Wednesday, the seventeenth, um, at bleacherbrawls.com. Um, so uh, make sure you're checking out the website. Make sure you keep on listening. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Uh, for Mike and Derek, I am Luke, and we will talk to you next time. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on bleacherbrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.